This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So we record these, so if you ever want them... Oh, great, the, okay. The no, m- mine actually did come out. I, I, oh. Whatever, it was a mistake. Okay. It was my mistake. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Um, so we're holding... Okay, but you record them. Someone keeps, keeps the recordings, or who's the, who's the we... I am, but I think it just died. Okay, good. So this one is meanwhile alive, and we're good to go. Okay, so take take a sheet. We're all holding over here. Um, it's on the second page on Ches. Uh, again, I'm not sure where the Hebrew, how the Hebrew is, but on second Ches, we, we had discussed. He discussed God in corporeality. God not being of any goof, it's, it's right over here. It's, it's, a, it's a different layout, but it's the same. And um, and now he's going to pose some issues with that that seem to mislead um, in different ways. Not only he said it logically, God, the way he's described him, cannot be limited or bound by anything. I, I want to add one more perspective on that. He gave it a whole bunch of different um, uh, perspectives. I want to add just one more piece to that. Um, there's a famous theorem that the system cannot be described within itself. In other words, um, the, it, 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 a program cannot program itself. Um, um, something greater or bigger than that ha- came up with a certain idea. In other words, if God is described by the system, then the system did not originate from God. So, um, if if the if God was limited in any way, if you could give him dimensions, that means dimensions are meaningful only when it's within the system. Let's take a simple example: a number that's within units is described by tens. So the big the big circle, the big square is ten, and this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's some part of it. But um, ten can't be described by ten. The 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 um, it, it's something which is whenever I'm trying to research a physical phenomena, what I'm asking is the apple falling is an example of what? It's caused by what? I say it's caused by gravity means gravity is a bigger circle and includes in itself other phenomena, sub-phenomena, such as apples falling and pears falling and bricks falling and so on and so forth. But I can't say gravity is caused by gravity. So I can say gravity is caused by some universal um, attraction of particles due to X, Y, or Z. But, but I, I'm always, whenever I'm, when I'm trying to understand something, I'm sending by something else. The, the rules didn't create the rules. So a programmer can, created the program which can create many programs. But, but you can't, you, it, 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 the, the, no box can fit into a box of the same size. So if God is bound, that means there's something bigger than God, so to speak. There, there, there are rules, regulations, dimensions, space bigger than God. And that would not provide us the answer of where the universe comes from. So God has to be bigger, not only physically, but sort of 
the rules also. The rules and regulations of the universe also had to come from someplace, and that something is bigger because it's sort of it gave birth to those rules and regulations rather than as a product of them. So God himself is boundless. Therefore, any, any, any description of God in a way that fits into phenomena we're familiar with would, be, um, would, would, would create the need for a new idea of a God. That's the point. Um, yes? So how did you describe that? Any system cannot be contained? Yes, I think it's Godel's theorem. That no system can prove itself from within the system. Um, geometry is the, the axioms of geometry are considered to be true because our general experience contains those. They're not true because geometry says they're true. Geometry says taking these axioms, the following is true. It, it, um, in other words, I start with something bigger. All, all the laws of nature start with nature as we perceive it at its basic level and I derive what do I see happening within that great circle of nature. And that's, very, that's a very fundamental um, uh, understanding of things. And, I, and, and it sort of, it sort of complements what Maimonides says. Now, besides that, he says, um, the Torah says so. Harei mefurish betorah. It is quite clear in the Torah, Ubenavi, she'ein akarish baruchu gufa You see that the usages, there are many places where it's alluded to the fact that God is incorporeal. Shenema, and he gives us um, three or four, four examples. Ki Hashem Kim, God is bashemayim imal and heavens above, and the earth below. He says it doesn't mean a, a body cannot exist in two places at the same time. So when he says he's everywhere, it means basically he's not bound by place. It's like, it's like saying the, the concept of justice or beauty exists everywhere. You don't mean to say it exists everywhere as much as it, it, it doesn't fit into place. It, it's an idea that's really irrelevant. A table has to exist either here or there or can stretch from here to there. But I can't say the, the table exists in two places at the same time. I can't say this table exists here and in Russia. I can say it stretches from here to Russia. We used to have a joke in the old days, people will forget, that Bulgaria has the longest cow in the world. It eats the grass in Bulgaria and they milk it in Moscow. Because Moscow used to use all its satellites basically for, for, for you know, but, but you, you, you can, so when it says God is God both in heavens above and on earth below, it means he's spaceless. Venema, it also says at the, at the giving of, at, at Mount Sinai, Kilora Isam Koltmuna, you did not see any picture. Remember, when God revealed himself to us, there was a revelation of words, no picture, very important. Um, and also he says, who can you compare me to and I will be equal or, com or comparable? If God was some sort of form, anything that exists within the world has some point of similarity. 
it is gray, it is white, it is pale, it's transparent, it's big, it's small, it's strong, it's hard, it's imperceptible, perceptible. All those things are, we, we, we can use something of the same um, nature to, so for instance, I can say a table is like a chair. Well, it's like a chair in the sense that it's wood. It's like a chair in the sense that it's used to something. It may be very different, but it has legs to support it. It has its support as this. What I say is, is a table like beauty. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss because we're really talking about two very, very, very different things. And there's no real way to compare the two because so by saying God is incomparable, I mean to say there is no common denominator with anything physical. Those are three of the verses Maimonides picks. He will soon, the next, um, the next paragraph, going to ask many places where it says God has a form, and, and we'll have to deal with that. I, I want to make a point before that. Um, if we ask ourselves, why do we so strongly disagree with Christianity? And people will go off on a litany of um, was Jesus real or not? Did he exist? Did he not exist? Was he a holy man? Was he a bad man? Was he a terrible man? Did he perform miracles? Did he not perform miracles? And so on and so forth. That is not the right angle. The real issue with Christianity is the idea of deifying someone with a body is absolutely goes against the crux Muhammad, was he a prophet of God or not, is up to, that's, that, there's room to debate that. We believe absolutely not, and if anything we believe it was crazy, but that's irrelevant. But it's possible, in other words, within the, within the fundamentals of the religion, there aren't, there, there is, a, there is we, we believe that no prophecy exists after Malachi, we believe no prophecy can change the Torah, and so on and so forth. But, but, but that falls under the realm of things that there's some sort of possibility. The possibility of, of God being incorporated in a person is, um, is for us the absolute anathema. Yes, anathema. Yeah. You said no prophecy can exist after Malachi? No, 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 after Malachi. Ma Ma Malachi was the last prophet. Oh, okay, okay. We believe there Sorry. were no prophets. Again, it's not an impossibility, but it's an untruth. Right. And God's, that God be flesh and blood. Now, the, the Christians dance around it. And, and that's but and that's been we really need to understand a few points about this um, any association with God and the physical gets us very edgy because idol worship at the end of the day is making God into some sort of thing there was opposition to many Hasidic groups as their as their sense as their reverence for the teach for their Rebbe began to cross over into something that could be construed as deifying, we recoiled in horror. So you're supposed to revere a rabbi, you're supposed to learn from a rabbi, you're supposed to um, understand as much wisdom to give to you, but as it starts moving into anything of the object of the rabbi, that becomes very, very um, that becomes uh, really tough because of the borderline of uh, idol worship. Well, yes. There's a notion that the divine Hashem uh, expresses his wisdom 
through matter. But at the same time, there are limits to that. Communicates is a better word. And as a prophet came and told you, he was, he was appropriately acting as a spokesman of God by saying, God said this and this. If he was a true prophet, then yes, those words were right. And we, and, and we, we, we respected greatly a man who attained that, that purity that he can act as God's spokesman. But very much not deification. Because um, this person is God. Yeah, or God through him, or what? Something that notion was was, and and that's why there was such strong opposition to the city groups. They claimed they were simply learning and studying from him, and the people opposed it said there are too many signs of too, too much association with the person of the rabbi. Yes. So maybe this is not for now, but where do you draw the line then? I mean. At, at what point do you say that's almost deification? Like, for example, I know the Chassid have a practice where they'll eat the leftovers of their right. rebbe. So it, it you know it really depends how it's presented, and they'll and and when you get to areas that are gray, there's going to be people that will say it's black and people will say it's white. And yes, that's that that was why there was such an. Let me give you the ex, the the opposite example of of the way a true non-Chassid looked at his at his rabbi. There was somebody called the Nitziv. Um, we have his commentaries on Chumash and other great Talmud Chacham. He was the last head of the famous Lajin Yeshiva. He died in 1896, 97. I'm, I'm, my dates are good to within uh, a few years. That, that's when he died. Um, he was very, he, he was, he revered Rabbi Kivager, another great rabbi who lived in the 18th century, whose, whose, whose commentaries are brilliant. His modesty, his humility, everything about him was extraordinary. One of the great luminaries. And everything that Rekavega ever wrote, he, 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 he eagerly devoured. And one day somebody came to him with tremendously happy said, he told him it's if you know, they just came out with a biography of Rekavega. Here it is, I know you'd appreciate it. He said, I don't care for it, you can keep it. I'm not interested in it. And he was shocked. And he asked, Well, what's why? He said, I don't care what street he lived on. I care for his teaching. And his teaching I find in everything that he ever wrote. The sharpness, the brilliance, the humility, the, the exactness, the, 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 and so on. The street he lived on, what his wife's maiden name was, all that, really doesn't interest me. That's sort of the almost exact opposite of that approach of revering the cloak of the Rebbe and the coin of the Rebbe and so on and so forth. You know, back and forth, I, I, you know, you can go both directions, but I'm just saying why there was such a vehement opposition sometimes, and because it, for us the core belief is to get away from that. What about yes. all the paintings? In a non uh, if you walk into a house and you'll see pink photographs, photographs of painting of Rebbe. So, yes, again, yes and no. Some people. It, 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 there was a feeling it helps you identify with the person and his teachings. It says, for instance, in the, in the Gemara, that Rebmeya said, "If I, uh, Rebbe said, if I would have seen our, I, I saw our teacher Rebmeya from his back. I used to have a class, and it was so crowded, I used to sit in the back of him. If I would have seen him front on, I would be much greater. So there is a sense that if you can identify visually, it's wonderful. It's like when you see a video, have a person lecturing and he's not using any props it helps you focus and concentrate and, and so on but it's up in the air again up in the air it's not something that that uh, um, I want to I want to explain a certain point about Christianity that Rev Weinberg said 
I think it's very, very significant. It's the right place to say it. Um, the Rambam says, in a certain sense, that Christianity was a step forward for the world and a step backwards for, for Jews. That were, what was it about? Well, um, primitive people worshipped idols. And if the wind causes a great storm, the wind is powerful and you worship the wind and offer a sacrifice or two. If the king is very powerful, you, you, you offer a little sacrifice to the king and keep him in a good mood, and, and he's the power, so on and so forth. Everything was deified, anything that was stronger than you was made into God, and, and you worshipped it, and that was it. The, um, I remember when Alan Greenspan was in his heyday, they had a picture like at the cover of I think New Republican Art, with people sitting and, and bowing, paying homage to Alan Greenspan, the all-powerful and the mighty. Now, the Jews came along and we created a radical change. The God that is almighty is bodiless, and no association with this world, totally invisible, and so on. That truth was very difficult for more primitive people to latch on to. The idea of a God who I can't associate physically, it's only in the mind, it's, it's, it's abstract, is something which very, very, very difficult to sit. And they regressed the drop and they said, okay, it's one God, but he's a suffering teenager um, who dies, is in agony, is betrayed. Giving him some sort of human qualities was an easier step for them to latch onto than the type of God we understand. And therefore, um, and, and that's where Christianity sprung from. It was a need to make Jew, the, the God of the Jews more palatable for the masses. And it was very interesting, pun the pun. I didn't mean the masses in, in uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, but uh, that's sort of the idea. Let's see what he says over here. Tess. M. Caney says, if that's true, and this is a, a core, core belief, it says in the verse, on the God's feet, it looked like a, 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 a sapphire stone. Written with the finger of God, Yad Hashem, the hand of God, Eine Hashem, the eyes of God, Vaazne Hashem, the ears of God, Gezraelu. You have a lot, a lot of these expressions all through the Torah and all through Tanakh about um, elements of God's body. So he says, This is all um, built on using metaphors that are meaningful to humans. In other words, when I want to try to tell you something, I need to know what I want to tell you, but I can only use your language and, the, and things that are close to it. So, so if, if, if you've never seen snow and I need to describe snow to you, I'm going to have to use things you're familiar with. In some ways, it's like um, it's it's like sugar. In some ways, it's like very very cold water. In some ways, even though none of these are really true, but but that's the best I can do in your language. Raya davazer. Sorry, says vakol All of these are metaphors. Kimoishenema. He says one example. It says imshanoisi berak harbi. If I need to put my sword into the the um, into its sheath, does God have a sword? That's certainly absurd. Elam Marshall, 
it's it's a metaphor of akomosh. It's all metaphors. Rael adavzeh. He says, I will sort of take the logic and bring it to an absurdity. One prophet, Daniel says, God was wearing white clothing, clothing white as snow. A different one saw him, his clothing was red coming from Batra. Moshe himself saw him on the on the on the sea. He was like a a, a hero doing war. Ubesina and on Sinai is described like like somebody going like somebody standing in front of the in front of a congregation wrapped in a talus. Loima, all of these teach you these these startling contradictions in how God was seen. Is teaches you it has no form and image. These were all prophecies. And how it really is. It's not something we could possibly understand. We don't have any, our mind has no receptors for understanding God as really is. This is what it says in the verse in, in Job. Can you possibly can you possibly search out God, analyze God? Can you get to the end of understanding God? Goes back to the original point about the system cannot. Yes, exactly, same thing. Now, yes. But we know that you can take things of the Torah on. They have to be true on their on their literal sense. And when it talks about the arm of Hashem and these things, these are physical manifestations. So it's not necessarily there is. They're, they're not okay. He will dis, he will explain it further what these things are. And I want to I want to take out two points. I want to go with this. I, I want to address. So what does it mean? What do these metaphor means? He'll, he'll he'll describe it later, a little bit later, in 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 verse twelve. I'd like to um, deal with two other issues. Um, there is a commentary. Um, um, the Ravid complains that there are many places where these terms are used in ways that are confusing and misleading. Uh, so, so, so why is it that the Torah would use? would use such um, anthropomorphic terminology which confuse people if you're talking about something that's very fundamental so, so Maimonides himself addresses it in the Guide to the Perplexed and he says the following point if I were to tell you let's take an example let's say I want to keep my kid is very very interested in sticking a, 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 a coin or a piece of metal into into a, um, into a socket. I remember as a kid, we used to think it was a thrill. You got this thrill, and then the lights went out. Today, I think it's better. I think I think I don't know if you if you actually get the shock, but in those days, I remember sticking a key in, and you get a, like a little zap, and then and then the fuse would go, and after you place the fuse. So so you want to tell the kid to stay away from it. So I have two choices. I can tell them if you put the key in. There's a man that comes out and gives you a really, really big patch, a big smack. Or I could tell them the electromagnetic force interacts when um, you complete the circuit 
because this and that and the other thing. And it's, it's not really a person or a thing, but it, it's, it's a force. Now, since my main point is to get the kid away from there, I'd rather go, when the kid understands a force, doesn't stand a force. Well, it, it, the physics textbook is boring and it's not real, so, so I'm not going to get hurt by it. You will get hurt. Not in the way that you understand, but you will get hurt terribly. The Torah is trying, the Torah is made for everybody, from simple people, children, uh, unsophisticated, and so on. When God's hand comes out to strikes you, it conveys a message of real pain and suffering. When God smiles or, 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 or loves you, those, those things, they, they convey the truth. Um, yes, the metaphor itself is not literal, but it contains the truth much strongly than if it say, well, it, it's, it's really an abstract idea. God is abstract, but he's real. It's 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 as real as a, a it's much more real than an electromagnetic force, and, and 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 it's very hard for a simple person to fathom that. And the Torah would rather go with words that convey the message rather than um, misleading a person thinking that oh it's all ideas. It's like it's like the Dear Virginia letter, uh, you know. The, it's, well, of course Santa Claus exists. You know, I'm not real familiar. This is like a classic. About a hundred years ago, a girl wrote into the New York Times a letter um, about that she heard from some people that Santa doesn't really exist and doesn't really bring presents. Is it true or not? And the New York Times wrote back, it's a classic, Dear Virginia, certainly Santa exists in the heart of every good person and people of goodwill. Santa's there and Santa, you know, basically saying Santa doesn't exist, but, but, but he exists as a wonderful metaphor. Um, so it's a very important for the Torah to write it that way and so on. That is a, um, that's one direction. This, this approach of Maimonides, Everyone subscribes to it, but the Kabbalists felt that this is a short version of it, and it's not the full truth. And let's take an example of the difference of perspective. Maimonides was not privy to Kabbalah, and Kabbalah is not only a question of just knowing certain terminology, it was a whole approach. Maimonides' approach, and again, it's not wrong, but the Kabbalists saw it as being incomplete. His approach is, it's a metaphor. So for instance, if I want to describe to you um, the sense of, the sense of a special sense that one has in a forest, you say the trees sway back and forth and snuggle you against them. So it's, it's a metaphor to help me get a sense of sort of coziness in a forest. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. It's not, it's, it's, it's the metaphor, it's not real. Let's go a different way. You're teaching physics, not literature, but physics. And you, you want to, the idea of lines of force are really, really kind of weird. So you say, okay, put a magnet over here and I put metal filings here and the metal filings form these lines and you say to the kids here now you see something now those metal filings are not a metaphor describing lines of force they are a manifestation of it 
and it's not the only manifestation of it it's not but but it is a manifestation or let's give another example I'm trying to describe exponential growth let's say or I'm trying to describe um, it's certain phenomena so I say okay put one rice in the first square two grains in the second three in the third you know four in the, in the second one you know um, and so on and so forth then, you know the famous Chinese thing you know one grain of, of rice in the first square two in the second one four in the next one eight in the next one 16 in the next one 32 and so on now that's not a metaphor that's a demonstration of one example of what exponential growth looks like so there's one way to say God is abstract and we need certain terminology to help us understand it that's the Rambam Kabbalah says the other way around God has certain ways he relates to us certain ways he he, he for instance um, he, he for instance hits us and so on he has an array of of ways in which he interacts with us he, what he did was he took a human being and made him in the image of God means the way we're shaped and formed is, is, is uh, 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 with a filings, with a metal filings. Let's give an example. People are symmetrical and there's right and there's left. There's no real reason for it, but it's an expression of right and left. And right and left carries in itself many, many reasons. We have one side that's stronger. We favor one side, most people the right side. Um, that's meaningful. Our body has a top third, which includes the heads and the thinking and the senses, very, very um, brain-oriented. We have a thorax, which includes heart, lung, blood, and, and in some ways, the stomach goes to the bottom. And then we have feet and a waist down, which is basically just means for carrying us around. Those are all, those are all shaped and formed according to abstract ways in which God relates to us, but we actually can see an expression of it in human form. We have the right and left, and the right and left hands have five fingers each, together ten. So God has ten ways in which, ten steps in which way he, 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 he brings things into this world, which the Kabbalah is called the Sfirot. They're arranged as five and five, they can be joined together, they can work hand in hand. I have two feet that are the same thing. There, there is there is so much in the human the human the, the Kabbalah uses the human body as a perfect metaphor for God because it's just like any truth that I find in the way those file those steel fi and filings are, are arranged express um, express very accurately um, the way in which uh, the the, the, um, the way in which the, the, the lines of force work Let's give one, one, one. Let's give an example where there'll be a difference of the two. Maimonides says it is perfectly acceptable to interpret some of those visions and phrases as necessary to flesh out the metaphor. For instance, we can go through a prophecy. I hold, behold, I was standing on the bank and I saw this and this and that. The other thing, I, it's enough for me to interpret the crux of the message, and everything else is needed for it. It's like when I write a good novel, the main point is the main point, but I need to have a cloudy day and I need to have a rainy day and the guy's got to 
eat something occasionally. Uh, you know, I, I can't I can't belabor every single point there. It, it, it's it's that's how I drew a picture. Um, the Kabbalists, on the other hand, say just like when those when those filings align themselves on the line of force, every part of it is is is, is so I can say, huh? It has a certain the curve has a certain angle to it. It, it has a certain direction to it, and um, it affects different metals differently. All of those are significant because it's not a metaphor, but rather an expression of it. Yes, what did you want? Sorry. Well, I mean, I was just going to ask. So, is that to say that, because my understanding was that Hashem, so we, so Hashem follows all of his laws, and one is that you cannot give a physical representation of Hashem. Right. So how do they solve this? When Hashem talks about his arm, Hashem has an arm, and our arm is actually a metaphor for Hashem's. Right. So we can, so like, it's what you said. So we can look at our arm, and we can kind of understand what Hashem's arm is. Well, the arm. Uh, let me let me make it a little more specific. It's not Hashem's arm. It's Hashem's interaction with us. That's right. a key word. It's like the interface with us. Right. I, I, so so Hashem allows. In, in, interacts with us in ways that are all identifiable. So we're not talking about God Himself, but which is off the books is not, not something we can discuss. We talk about how God chooses to interact with us. Whether a smile is an interaction, and, and yes. Okay. Um, so um, this. Okay. Um, let, let's so let's recap because this is a heavy point. And um, he's going to go with it further. He's, he's going on an another piece afterwards. But so right now, he puts down the following points: A, God is totally incorporeal, and not only that, but he can't be compared to anything else. The um, the the the, the um, any time you have in the Tanakh, in the Torah, a description of God, it's a metaphor for his interactions with us, for his interface with us. What's real is God interacts with us, and, and, and we can say in pleasant ways, unpleasant ways, difficult ways, there's, there's a feedback, there's, there, there's consequence. The, 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 that we can use metaphors. That was Rama's approach. We also said that the need to use metaphors, even though they may be a bit misleading, is to give it a sense of reality that these things are real and, and, and um, you know, in, in ways that we will feel. If it says God punishes, the fires in Gehenna might not be real fires, but they are painful um, and they're real. Uh, the, 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 um, if you want to think a minute, if you see people who, God forbid, are mentally ill, um, my mother was unfortunately she's very very old, and you know she started moving into dementia, and for a while she was having very very horrible sort of experiences, and be, but thank God they've given her medication which has made it very pleasant, and she's she's actually functioned quite well. What? Yeah, Baruch Hashem. But but what during those those weeks that she was being persecuted and she had a hard life herself, she was a survivor and so on. You know, I said to myself, it 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 makes very little difference whether those demons are in your head or outside. They're the same hell no matter what. It doesn't make a difference to you whether whether physically it's real or not. And once the demon setting is on in the mind, it's the same suffering. So when you tell somebody it's not real. 
What do you mean it's not real? My pain is real. It's very real. Um, it's just not, uh, you know, it's, 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 as, as long as what I think, that's fine. If I call you up and I tell you the FBI is after you or the Al-Qaeda is after you, um, and it's just a hoax. But, but and then I'll say now it wasn't real. But but your fright was real, and it makes a difference whether they were really coming to kill him or not. So so so, so we need to present it that way. Yes. Heard a really good example. People have had limbs amputated. Right. So they have. Yes. They, they think they feel pain in the limb that's not there. Correct. It's a. Um, you know, I, I have I have something in my leg. It's called it's called Morton's neuroma. Um, it's it's a it's it's a nerve that has like due to inflammation it has like uh, some sort of hot covering whatever it is on it so it's not it's, an, it's not an uncommon condition and it feels as if you're walking on a rock the ball of the foot feels as if you're always walking on a really hot rock it's very painful now I can walk in the street and tell myself it's it's all in my mind but I, I try to do that I, I like to walk and my my foot tells me a different message, and I can't do it. Like the foot says, you're doing you're crazy. You you walk on a very hard rock, you're gonna hurt your foot. And I know it's not true, but that's reality of it. Yes. Do you feel it when you're not walking? Um, not really. It, 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 it's it's only when you walk. It, it that's the that's the that's the sense that it sends you. It's it, it's the pressure. Any pressure in that area. Okay. Um, one more. Then we spoke about the big distinction between the Kabbalists look at it and the way the the um, the way the Rambam and the non-Kabbalists look at it. The Rambam describes all of the, all physical descriptions of God as being metaphors, whereas we said the Kabbalists have a very different approach to it and they look at it as manifestations. I want to give another example for something that we live with and 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 we understand as manifestations. We treat math as real. One of the reasons why people hate theoretical math is because you're dealing with something that's not real. When you, when you take math and you treat it, for instance, when you plot a formula on a graph, um, you, you, a sort of Cartesian Geometry, you, you you have something which is it's a little easier on the on on the soul because okay you see you know sine and cosine are sort of ideas yes triangles and in, in relationship of but when you see plotted out the the, 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 the the how it varies it, it's a little bit easier to deal with the people who are who are who deal in pure theoretical math it's very rough for that reason and um, we and we, 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 we can we can deal easier with the math of physics or at least when the math can be plotted when you can draw a diagram um, showing those so in a certain sense the Kabbalah said the ultimate truth is like math and and any diagram that you draw any any phenomenon that you point out to that is a description of of it of a mathematical formula, you say to yourself, this is a true example of that formula, but it is not the entirety of the formula. Um, and, 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 and we know that it's very helpful to, to envision the formula 
um, through examples and through manifestations, but at the end of the day, it's not the form itself. That's a lot more the, the, the point that Kabbalah's uh, uh, made. And, and today, I guess that would be the more, the, 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 the fuller view and sense of what he's saying. Okay, we'll hold it here. Um, I'll be missing out a few, show, um, a few times in the next uh, 